This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. My next poll, the machine just shut off. There's those three Wheel of Fortune things going right across the middle. Nothing happened, no bells, no whistles, nothing. Just shut off. I didn't know what happened. All I knew is that it shut off. I saw the three Wheel of Fortune things. I look up at the uh, progressive amount, and it shows $1.2 million. And I start flipping out. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about bouncing back after hitting rock bottom financially. As couples, we see good times and we see bad times, but I believe it's the tough times that truly define us in marriage. I have the pleasure of chatting with a couple today that defines that mantra to a T. Adam and Danielle Silverstein are my guests today. They are the married couple and hosts behind Marriage and Martinis. It's a hit podcast with over 1,000 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and over 4 million downloads. Their openness, transparency, and real-life marriage advice has been highlighted in media outlets like Scary Mommy and the New York Times. When Adam and Danielle aren't talking marriage, they love hiking with their dogs and enjoying New York City. Welcome to the show, Adam and Danielle. Thank you. How you doing, Andy? I'm great. Thank you guys for being here. So we talked at the top of the introduction here, hitting rock bottom. What did that mean for you guys? What was rock bottom for you as a couple? Well, rock bottom, I think some people, when you when you picture rock bottom, you sort of picture this short period of time, right? Like this, you know, few day bender or something that happens that is really a short stint and then you kind of bounce back. I think our rock bottom was several years. It hit a low and stayed there for a while. So there's there wasn't exactly one certain thing that happened that brought us there. It was a whole bunch of different, you know, events and decisions. So for us, rock bottom meant not really knowing our future, not really knowing, are we going to stay married? Not really knowing, were we going to be okay financially? You know, were we going to be able to bounce back? What were some of the things that were happening that were making you question your stage in life or even your marriage? When we hit rock bottom, it wasn't so much a financial rock bottom. Like, luckily, thank God, it wasn't. We lost all of our money. We were in the streets and we didn't have finances was part of it. But rock bottom for us was way more than that. You know, so it wasn't just so much financial stress. That was our biggest you know, struggle. Financially, I think, number one, we both like to spend a lot of money. And we always have since we met when we were kids, when I say kids, we were in our teens. And then when we first got married and before we had kids, even after we had kids, we didn't, we didn't have you when we were 20, (laughs) which would have been a nice thing to, to have. And we, we both like nice things. We both like to spend money. We both like to have a good time. And that kind of never fizzled out as much as it should have. And then it got to a point where I would get mad about Danielle about things she spends money on. She would get mad at me about things that I spend money on. We'd both be defending what we're spending our money on. Whether we were right or wrong, we were probably were both. We didn't know. But that, that would cause a lot of our financial arguments. 
sure that's very common, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where, especially as kids come into the lives or as you guys are busy in your careers, where we're stretched for time, that those heightened moments become even more heightened because you haven't had the time to talk. And that's usually when Nicole and I are fighting the most. It's when we're not spending enough time together. We're not carving out that time to actually sit down and talk about the important things. Those big conversations happen in passing, which is bad, you know, where it's like, hey, by the way, I spent a thousand dollars on that thing. Gotta go. See ya. That's where the conversations go awry. So yeah, I mean, if you guys are feeling that stretch, that's definitely common for sure. So you shared a story with me before we got on the call about this moment moment in Las Vegas. Can you finish the story a little bit and tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah. So I was in Vegas in my mid thirties and it was for work. And after we were all done with the work for the day, we just went to the slot machines, went to go play a little bit. I had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. I took a hundred, put it in the slot machine and lost it immediately. And Figured, hey, got to give it another shot. Had another hundred in the pocket, stuck it in, and it was winning. It was winning slowly. It was like a a fifty dollars here, and then I'd lose a little bit, and then a hundred there, and then all of a sudden it was five hundred, and then it kept bouncing back and forth between these amounts of fifty to five hundred to a thousand, and it was just racking up for about an hour, which is bizarre. It was the strangest thing I ever saw, and people were surrounding me. They were they were watching me play, and. After about an hour, my, my total for my hundred dollars, or first I lost a hundred and then another hundred racked up to about seven grand in the machine. And my next poll, the machine just shut off. There's those three wheel of fortune things going right across the middle. Nothing happened. No bells, no whistles, nothing just shut off. I didn't know what happened. All I knew is that it shut off. I saw the three wheel of fortune things. I look up at the progressive amount and it shows $1.2 million and I start flipping out. Like, I don't know if I won. I don't know if I broke the machine. I don't know. So they had like people come check it out, make sure it's legit. I didn't cheat. They put me in a back room. It's like the, like the whole thing. It was a really, really crazy, bizarre situation. That is incredible. So $1.2 million. What do you end up doing there? So they take you in the back room. Did they just hand you one of those big checks from prices, yep. right? And they just hand it to you. What, 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 how does it go down? <laughs> so it happens at 11 o'clock at night. They bring me into the back room and I'm sitting there. I was flying out six o'clock the next morning. I was in there until about four o'clock in the morning. They were checking the machine, doing paperwork, checking everything out. And yeah, I walk away with one of those big checks. (laughs) I was trying to make a joke. It's real. (laughs) I was like, can you mail this to me, please? I don't want to walk on a plane with this. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's probably a security risk as you're heading towards your flight back home, right? (laughs) Well, so what did that do for you? $1.2 million. What happened after that point in your life? So the way it works, if any other lucky people out there have won anything, know what I'm about to say. If you play the lottery and you win the lottery, same thing. They amateurize it out for 20 years. And me being, you know, the young, dumb person who wants a lot of money, like immediately, you can choose a cash option for less, right? So 1.2 whatever million turns into $800,000 that I was offered in cash. Just here's a check for $800,000, which takes a few months to get. Then you have to realize also at the end of the year, you have to pay taxes on that. And that brings your tax rate up to about 50%, right? So listen, I always hate telling the story because $400,000 is nothing to sneeze at. And I don't feel bad for myself for for winning $400,000. But when you win, you think my life is changing forever. And it helped me a lot. It didn't change my life. It it lasted a couple of years. Yeah. So that's how 1.2 goes to 400,000. And then you said it lasted a couple of years. What did you guys do with it over that time? 
I guess I'll let Danielle get into this part of it because we were in the midst of a, of a move. I mean, things were, you know, were, were, they were okay for us financially at this point anyway. So we were moving and into a bigger house, which was something that we probably, sh- not probably, something we shouldn't have done in the first place because it was a far stretch for us anyway. So please, Danielle, continue. <laughs> well, I was at home, I think I was eight months pregnant when you called me for in the, well, I don't well, know what yeah, time for, it was. For me, it was probably midnight. So for you, it was probably three in the morning. Right. So he calls me and says, I just, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping, you know, I, our daughter is, you know, in her room and I'm pregnant and he calls me and says, I just won $1.2 million, which, you know, if you're going to be woken up in the middle of the night, that's the way to do it. But at the same time, you know, the first thing that, that goes through your head is, oh my God, not only are all our problems going to go away, but I'm going to pay for my niece and nephew's stuff. I'm going to, you know, take all our family on a vacation, you know, around the world. And the thoughts that go into your head with $1.2 million, you really, like Adam said, you think it's going to completely change your life. And I think it, it is that mindset that you go into it with that, you know, you, you don't realize, well, I, it's not what it seems and we need to sort of, you know, dial things back a little bit. So, you know, you don't have any concept of what that is even, I mean, you know, you can't even imagine it. It's better that way because it's not real. (laughs) Oh, by the way, if I can get anybody else to cry for me a little bit more, this was in 2008, right before the market crash. (laughs) So that's where some of the money went to. So initially you get this money, you get the check, you had the foresight to set aside enough for taxes, because I understand that could be something that could bankrupt somebody. I mean, if they'd ended up spending that 800 and then didn't realize that they had however much 400 to pay back. So from there, you guys upgraded your house, you did some fun things. And then, so how quick did $400,000 go? Well, I think the way we, I don't remember the percentages, but I did work on how we're going to spend and save this money. And like I said, we were moving to a much bigger home Already, at the time. not because he won the money. Right. We were already moving. So some of that went into more of a down payment for the house. We did go on a bit of a you know furniture shopping spree for the house. We gave a little bit to all of our nieces and nephews. We did save some. We invested some. And like I said, unfortunately, this was right in the midst of the whole market crash. And you know, got scared and probably sold some things I shouldn't have because took the loss, you know, the whole deal. And that's where it goes. It's done. You know, we ended up moving from that house about five years later where the market was tanking a bit. So a bunch of that money went and said goodbye to, you know, selling the home too. I felt like we did all the right things. I really did at the time. I was really thinking, what are the right things that I should be doing? And I, you know, we gave, we spent, we saved, we, you know, what put into the mortgage. We, it just felt like I was doing everything right. And then you look around and it's gone. I bought a home in 2004 because I thought I was doing the right thing as well. And I ended up selling it 10 years later for pretty much exactly what I bought it for. So that was a depressing time to be in real estate, to own real estate, because I was like, I'm never going to get out of this thing. I've owned it for 10 years. I'm selling it in 2013, the years after this recession is over, but it still has not bounced back. And it was one of those things where it was just like, wow you know, was buying a home a stupid idea. But today, if you were to buy a home, oh, six, seven years ago, you're a genius, right? And to where it is now. So it's all timing. It's crazy. So were there some difficult conversations between you guys with this money and deciding what to do with it? Or were you guys in sync? 
I, I just think there weren't any conversations about money between us back then, you know, either way. I think in my mind, we just won this money and it was going to change our lives. And I didn't even really ask where I, I knew there were certain things. I knew I wanted to give some of the money, you know, to each of our nieces and nephews. We took my parents on a cruise. You know, we did some of the things. We had some fun with it. You know, we I took my nieces and nephews shopping and that kind of stuff. And that was sort of where I played in again. You know, it was, our marriage was at a very different place back then. And, you know, the partnership was very different. It wasn't then that the arguments about where it was going to go, it was a couple years later that those arguments really started. Can you describe why those arguments started a couple years later? If you had asked me two or three years ago, I would have said all the arguments started because of a huge financial mistake that Adam made. Now, if you ask me, I say it started much earlier than that. And the fact that, you know, I always had this idea that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, which is a fantastic idea for anybody who's a stay-at-home mom. However, we never discussed it. It was just something that I decided and, you know, and I never really fully understood how that was going to impact our relationship, our, you know, our finances. And, and had I really been serious about it, you know, what the conversation we should have had is how are we going to make this work? We never had that conversation. Not to say that that is the reason why we had all the financial difficulties. It was just part of it. Part of it was the the house decision, you know, that Adam really, there was this house that he really wanted to live in. And you know, we had a lot of arguments actually about that, that I didn't really want to move there. And he did. That was part of it. Both of our learning from when we were younger and the, you know, the, the, mixed messages we got from our parents about money and not really learning, you know, in our own way, how we want to spend it, but rather just trying to emulate what our parents did. I think it was all of these components that kind of boiled together and made this mess. That's a lot to happen all at one point, especially as you're, you know, how many kids did you have at that one point? Was that just one or you're moving into two or three at that point? I was like nine months pregnant when we moved, which was another... I mean, that's a lot going on right there. I mean, between young parenthood and figuring out where you're going to live and figuring out the right thing to do. So yeah, I completely agree. I've been through a lot of those difficulties with Nicole as well. And over time, we got to a point where, you know, the conversations were sparse because of the lack of time that we had. And then when we did have the conversations, they were fierce. And it was one of those things where it was like, they were explosions. It was the exact word that she used for me. She called it volcano fights. It wasn't until we decided, actually, it was her decision to reach out to a marriage counselor that we got the ability to have a third party kind of help us out with some of those conversations because I wasn't communicating well and not really empathizing with her situation. And I, I learned a lot from it. We'll be back to the show after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. 
Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. Sounds like it was sort of a low point in your marriage. I love listening to you guys laugh on your show now and having a good time. Obviously talking about the trials and tribulations of life as they are, but what were some of the things that you guys did to bounce back to where you are today? The biggest one is this podcast. This podcast for us, this is real. Everything that we say and do and, you know, Whatever we reveal on the podcast, this is this is all for real. Talk about explosive conversations. I, when we first started, we would have conversations and end up ripping her, our headphones off, throwing the mics across the room, having to re-record, having to take breaks, having because this it's the first time we're actually sitting down and talking about things that we never have before, and we don't know how to talk about them. You know, we're just doing it and we're just trying it and we're doing it in front of an audience, not in front of, but like, you know, recording it for, you know, and it's kind of forcing us to have these conversations, but we didn't know how. And those were big time explosive conversations. But what's happened is they've led us to the place that we are today because we can communicate now. Like we know not in every way, like we still have these financial struggles talking about, you know, in every way, but that's, I think the biggest thing that we've done to bring us where we are now. Yeah, just talking, just actually talking about it with more than 10 minutes. Like you said, these passing statements to each other are just, it's just a bad situation waiting to happen. And when they're serious, it can be toxic too, to even open your mouth at that point where it's like, hey, I have something really important to you tell you while your child is hanging on your leg and while you're washing dishes at the same time. I've done it to Nicole and I like look back and be like, why did I even open my mouth? You know, because now it's turned into a, a week long argument or a multi-day argument based on something I brought that I could have easily sat down and dedicated some time to. But that's the problem. That's the problem for us as parents, as married couples that are running from thing to thing. 
the time is the most important thing. And that's that's what we're lacking, especially, I don't know if you guys have been feeling it lately as the world has opened back up in post pandemic world, time seems to be crunching down even more. What do you think? We just did an episode the other day about, you know, there's this new term that everybody's using that's called, you know, languishing, which is it's not exactly depression and it's not, you know, it's, you're just sort of not thriving. You're kind of just making it through the day. And that seems to be, you know, people are saying that's like the word of 2021. And with everything going on after 18 months of dealing with a pandemic and being home and, you know, with your kids or even without kids or, and now having to, you know, muster up the energy after recovering from all of that to get out there and just get back in the world and you're supposed to be super excited about being social again and all of these things, we have had a really hard time communicating in the past few months just because getting back into life is just sucking everything out of us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm having a difficult time not wearing sweatpants out in public. It's kind of difficult, but uh, (laughs) it is what it is. And Nicole's feeling the same way. She's had the ability to work from home with her job, which she's enjoying over the past year. And now there's lots of talk about, all right, full time. You got to come back in September. And she's kind of stressing about it because it's like, no, I like waking up and doing my thing and carrying on. So it's going to be one of those things where I think it's going to be a test for us as well. To your point, can we keep dedicating the time that we've been able to keep for communication during the pandemic? Which is funny because the pandemic obviously just sounds like a horrible word and nobody loved it and everything like that. But there were a lot of beautiful things that I think that came out of it. And I think a lot of for Nicole and I, we did the same thing. We came together for more conversations and we dedicated more time for each other because when we put each other first, even above our kids, above our businesses, that's when we really thrive as a relationship. So I love this part. So talk to me a little bit more about working together because you guys have built something really incredible. And obviously you're very proud of that, but it's also helped you guys in your marriage. I think that's fantastic. So where do you guys plan to go from here? Tell us a little bit more about what it's all about. The great thing about it is, well, number one, the good thing is for us, communicating is our work, right? So the kids know they have to leave us alone because we're working. So they don't interrupt us and we can actually have these conversations without worrying about, you know, the kids are hanging all over you or they need something. They do sometimes, but we, we get our time because they know it's time. We need, we need an hour because we're recording, we're doing whatever. Right. So that's, that's great. But it's worked so well for us working together. Danielle is, is incredible at her thing. And I know nothing about what she does for, for us, you know, as far as the social media, the marketing, the promoting, the writing of all the episodes, the, you know, she is, she does all that. I have no interest in that. I don't want to do that. I don't step on her toes in any way. I enjoy doing what I do on the other end, which is the tech stuff, the editing, the website stuff, the, all the background stuff, all, you know, and I like just showing up and talking on the podcast without doing all the research and all the, you know, that she is so great at, which is why she doesn't need me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, we, we don't step on each other's toes. We like, she knows what she does well. I know what I do well. And if we need help from each other, we ask in certain ways that, you know, we know that they can handle or that they can do. That's one of the reasons that it's worked so well for us because we let each other do our thing and we know it's working. We don't have issues with each other. We also made a deal at the beginning, which I think was huge. You know, we're both very open people, but we made a deal at the beginning that you know, it was going to be all or nothing that we were either going to reveal everything and talk about everything and be completely honest, or we weren't going to do it. We've really stuck to that. 
And, you know, we've both stuck to that for better or for worse when you walk into teachers' conferences and you sit down across from your kid's teacher and you're like, oh, did they hear that podcast episode? about?" We, well, we made that deal when we thought 10 people were going to listen. Right, exactly. It's true. It's not, true. Not, <laughs> right. Not as many you know, listeners that we have now. It's been a really great partnership. It really has. And we're just both so excited to see how it grows. And, you know, finding the time to do everything is really hard, as you know. It's And there's so many different facets of it. But that's also the beauty of it, that there's so many different facets of it. There's just so much, you know, room for, for growth and experiences. And yeah. So if you had to look back, we'll call it two and a half years ago, or maybe three years ago, before you guys started the show, and compare your relationship your situation to what it is today. Would you say you guys are closer as a couple? Would you say that you've progressed out of that? You know, at the beginning of the show, we're talking about rock bottom. Have you progressed out of that point? How do you feel about your relationship going forward? First of all, we've both matured like a ridiculous amount. I think everything about us each has changed. I think when you share like we share and are vulnerable and have the guests that we've had on who tell their stories and everything, I think you automatically become more empathetic. And I think that empathy has helped us both in our relationship. And I think, you know, having this shared passion has been really good. It also, you know, it also helps that we've had a lot of really great support and we have an awesome community of listeners and on social media and everything. So that has really helped. I think that our relationship is always going to be one that is going to be, it's going to need time and work. We are not the couple who, you know, just can, it all just happens. In fact, I don't think there is any couple like that, but it does need the work, but we're both willing to do it. And that is really, you know, the awesome thing. So I had the opportunity to interview this guy named Mark Tim, and he brought up this phrase to me, which I really like, and it seems to be what you guys are embodying right now with what you're doing. He called it work-life integration. So you've probably heard of the term work-life balance, right? It's one of those elusive things that I could never find and that a lot of people seem frustrated trying to find, right? So his concept was, well, what if the things that we need to do for work, we could also incorporate our family into so that you are getting best of both worlds. You're making money or you're building a business or you're creating this hobby that you're able to do with your wife or your husband or your kids so that you don't have to find the balance. You can integrate them. So work-life integration. And I feel like you guys have done that really well because you can't create more time, but what you've done is combine two things that you love or two things that you really want. You want to create something that allows you to use your creativity, that allows you to grow a business, but then allows you to bring you closer to your spouse. Do you feel that concept? Does that make sense to you guys? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd love more of it. You know, I work outside the home. I have a full-time job. You know, I'm, I'm involved in a family business. I'm very busy. You know, for the last month, I haven't been home you know, between half of May and June, you know, it's our busy season. I'm there seven days a week. I'm there 11 hours a day, you know? So yeah, I would love more of this. It's hard though, but so finding that balance, you know, at least we have this podcast that we can do together because it brings us together and gives us something to do and it gives us something to talk about. So yeah, I would love more of it if it was possible, (laughs) but you know, today, maybe not so much. Well, I mean, at least you guys are taking this time and creating something that is bringing guys together. And I think that's fantastic. So let's talk to the couple who's listening right now. And they're saying, you know what? I have been, 
you know, sort of at odds with my spouse for a little while. We don't have that time to talk. We don't have that time to grow together. What's one small thing that they can do if they can't create a hit podcast tomorrow? What's one small thing that they can do to come together a little bit better? It's interesting because we we spoke about Adam and I used to always have date night. That was our thing. I mean, still, it looks different now during a pandemic or, you know, but we always had date night. But what we realized about date night after a certain point was that we were going out. We were, you know, having a great meal, drinking, you know, good wine, doing all this stuff. And we would come back home and nothing had gotten like accomplished or we didn't learn anything else about each other or it was all, how's your week? How's your week? Who's bringing, you know, Ian to, you know, to football and who's, and I think that a lot of us go out on these dates or spend this time with our partner and we're so afraid to talk about the stuff that really, that we want to talk about, right? Like we want to, you know, we, we want to know how you feel about, you know, certain things, or we want to talk about our intimacy or our, you know, our finances, but maybe not in that way. Or so there, you know, there are all these ways that we want to learn more about each other, but our time is so crunched and you're, and a lot of times, you know, like Adam would be afraid to bring up the finances to me, or I would be afraid to, you know, talk to him about maybe we need to, you know, have more romance or more, you know, so we just, we recently put out this ebook and it's a date night question ebook. And it's basically like, for that reason, you know, that we, people are, you know, when you go out and, you know, you want to have fun, it has to, you know, should be fun, but you also want to have these, like, we all think that we know our partner, everything about them, if we've been with them for 10, 15, 20 years. But the beautiful thing is that had Adam and I answered these questions in the podcast 10 years ago, they would be completely different answers. We are totally different people now. And, you know, and so I think that like just those conversations and, and you don't have to have a podcast. You can still ask each other those kind of questions, but you know, I think that we've learned sort of how to frame it and how, you know, how to, how to ease into it gently and how to do it from a perspective of not you're spending too much money, but you know, what are we doing to try to keep up with the Joneses that we don't even really believe in? And we don't really want to do, you know, the, the kind of thing like we did with the house and I've done with jewelry before. And so I do think that making the most of the time you do have together, even if it's just two hours, you know, to sit in your living room and have the conversation that, you know, will lead to more conversation or lead to more intimacy or more connection. You know, I think using the time more valuably because we, we would go out for three hours on a Saturday night and come back and I'd be like, well, I have no idea anything more about him or anything more about his, you know, his passions or his goals or his dreams or, and, you know, and it was a little bit of a waste, even though having fun isn't a waste. There are ways to do both. That has me thinking so much about the boring, methodical questions that I asked Nicole after the end of the day. How was work? What did you do? And she even responds to me like, dude, why are you even asking me this? Like I ask her about work and she jokes uh, her favorite joke. You guys ever seen office space where, where she's like, I don't want to talk about my flair. You know, like when, when they're in tchotchkes and she's like, ah, you know, I don't really want to talk about my flair. I, I love that when she says that. Cause it's like, all right. Yeah. It just hits me in the face being like, let's talk about something more interesting or do something more interesting. I love that resource. Where can people find that resource? That's something I even want to do with Nicole on, on our podcast. I think that would be a lot of fun. Where, where can people find that? Yeah, it is. It's, it's really, 
really fun and it's gotten amazing feedback so far. People are really enjoying it. And the one thing we hear more than anything is from, from women who say, I did not think my husband would do it. And now he's the one asking every week if we can do another topic. There's 12 topics on our website, marriageandmartinis.com slash DNQ, date night questions, DNQ. And it's, you know, but it's fun, but it's connecting and productive. So it's both. I love it. So it's D and Q or DNQ? DN, DNQ. DNQ. Yeah. Awesome. Very or cool. Or just marriagemartinis.com and you could, you'll see yeah, it on click, there. Click yeah. Right there. Awesome. And then if people want to listen to the podcast, where should they go? Anywhere. Anywhere you get your podcast. Marriage and Martinis. Marriage and Martinis. I bet you yep. as you guys are typing marriage, kids, and money, it just pops right up and just choose Marriage and Martinis. <laughs> Hit the subscribe button. Learn from these two as they're having fun, not only improving their marriage, their relationship, their communication style, but helping millions of others do the same as they've got this hit podcast everybody so check it out listen to it learn from them they are diving into some really fun deep topics and bringing the real life to it this is no holds barred as they've talked about so thank you guys for that openness transparency with us today and thank you for what you're doing out there i really appreciate you guys being here today thank you so much for having us really fun Marriage and money, two very important topics that affect our lives in so many ways. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Danielle and Adam Silverstein. Number one, slow down. One thing that the pandemic taught me and my wife is that slowing down can be a blessing. We were able to make more time for relaxation, make more time for each other, and more time for our kids. And now that we've had it, We don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to the busy. We don't want to go back to the rush hour. We don't want to go back to the madness of pre-pandemic life. For you, that may mean making choices about your career, your family life, or simply saying no to more obligations. Remember, when we say no to one thing, we're saying yes to other potentially more important things. That's something to consider. Number two, make time to talk. Adam and Danielle have found a great way to reconnect by simply sitting down and talking. Yes, they do have a hit podcast that gives them a reason to sit down and talk, but you don't need that. You don't need a microphone to make conversation a priority in your relationship. Be the leader here as well. If you want to have more connection with your spouse then be the change you want to see in your relationship. Schedule something on your calendars. Talk to your spouse about the importance of this, call it daily, weekly, or even monthly chat, and make it happen. Number three, make goals together. During those chats, discover some goals you have together. Do you want to stay at home with your kids and raise them? Or does your spouse want to do that? Do you Want to start a small business you're thrilled about? Or do you want to go part-time at your job? These are all big goals, big financial goals, really. And they require a partnership to get there. And as Adam and Danielle said, having conversations first and then leaping is a lot better than leaping and then trying to have those conversations. So make some time and prioritize your relationship first. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM. And let's keep the conversation going. 
As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and for Alec Collins for editing our YouTube videos. You can check us out at youtube.com slash marriage, kids, and money. We are growing, having a lot of fun over there. So if you want to go over there, hit the red subscribe button. You will make Andy smile today. That would be awesome. <laughs> Again, that's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash YouTube or youtube.com slash marriagekidsandmoney. Before we go for the day, I want to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. That is joining our MKM newsletter. This is a bi-weekly email that you get from me that includes the latest content, upcoming meetups, and other fun news from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. And for joining up, I will send you a free digital gift. That's a video of me sharing how we paid off our mortgage in less than five years. All of the details that helped us to get there. If you're interested, please go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. Thanks for considering it. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Tony Gaskins. Communication to a relationship is like oxygen to life. Without it, it dies. Make time for communication in your marriage, my friends. Carpe diem. 